This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Joelle Steiniger. And I'm Matt Goldman. And we're having 20-minute talks with entrepreneurs teaching you how to launch your product into revenue. Check out our book at howtobuildarocketship.com to reserve your launch discount and to download a free chapter. Today we talked with Alex Moore, founder of Boomerang, an app that helps you be a bit more awesome at email by helping you schedule emails to be sent later, and also bringing emails back into your inbox as follow-up reminders. Alex talks all about how they raised their first round of funding, an interesting story about 500 startups and a chance encounter with Dave McClure. He also talks about how they've grown their app, 
an app that most people don't want to share that they're using, but manage to based on the viral hooks that Alex and his team have built in. Hey guys, I wanted to take a minute to thank Codeship for sponsoring the show. Codeship makes continuous deployment simple and easy, and we've actually been happy customers of theirs for a very long time. You should go to codeship.io slash rocketship to check out videos and tutorials all about how you can start using Codeship to deploy your product in a better way. We'd also like to thank Envision app. Envision is by far the best prototyping and collaboration tool on the market. I can personally say I can't imagine delivering another design comp without it. It made collaborating with our entire team incredibly easy, and the annotation tool alone saved us hours of back and forth. Go to envisionapp.com forward slash rocketship and sign up to get their starter plan free for 90 days. This comes complete with unlimited screens and unlimited collaborators. Trust me, this is an essential tool for teams of all sizes. Welcome to the Rocketship Podcast. We're here with Alex Moore, the founder and CEO of Boomerang. Alex, welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. So give us um, the quick overview of Boomerang. Sure. Boomerang is uh, basically an email productivity tool that integrates right inside of Gmail. So it adds a, a bunch of really useful features like being able to write a message now and send it later. Useful on like a Friday afternoon if you want someone to actually open your email. It's much better to send it Monday morning than late on Friday. And it also includes uh, the ability to take a message and have it come back to your inbox at a later date. So if you've got something you, don't, you can't do anything with now but that you don't want to lose track of, it's very helpful there. And then uh, it also allows you to, to have that happen only if you don't get a response to an email. So it makes you really good at following up if people don't get back to you. So I had originally thought of it as strictly a sales tool, um, but your the history of it um, is slightly different. Kind of give us the backstory on how this idea came about for you. Sure. So I was working uh, at Analog Devices making uh, actually the, uh, the input select button on your remote for your TV. <laughs> Um, the, uh, I was making that the chip that actually provides that functionality 10 cents cheaper and, um, which was, which was kind of a cool job. It ends up being really technically challenging, but, um, as we got deeper and deeper into the project and I started to, to be more and more responsible for things getting done, um, I found myself more and more sitting in front of my email, just trying to keep track of where everything was in the process. And so boomerang kind of evolved out of that pain. And it was more of a project management need than it was a sales need for us. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, so when we're looking at kind of um, how people are using Boomerang today, what would you say kind of the demographic looks like? It's a, it's a really broad product. And the demographics basically line up with Gmail and Google Apps as demographics. So you'll find a lot of small businesses, a lot of, um, you know, a handful of, of really large companies and a whole bunch of consumers. We do find that, um, that they typically are using email more for business than for personal use, although not exclusively. We have, there's a group of, uh, of moms who are, who are very adamant about, about how the product works and we're, we're big fans of them. Um, but, you know, it's mostly business email users, basically all the way across the spectrum. So something interesting about Boomerang is that it's a product that most people don't want other people to know that they're using. So what sort of, what sort of things have you guys done to grow considering that? 
Yeah, that's exactly right. If you're going to write an email on Friday afternoon and then send it out Monday morning, you usually don't want the recipient to know that, that you did that. Um, it's better for, for it to just seem as if you'd, you'd happen to got, get up early on Monday morning. So we had to think really hard about how we were going to how we were going to reach out and make the product shareable since it is exactly that. It's the kind of thing that is either a personal productivity tool or something you don't want to share. And we did that a couple of different ways. The first one we did that worked really well was we, inside of our paywall, as you start to, you know, we've got a freemium business model for Boomerang. So you can use it a limited number of times a month for free. And then beyond that, you need to pay. And so we, um, what we did is we put in the paywall, one of the screens is, you know, if you're not ready to pay yet, how about you share it on Twitter? Or how about you share it on Facebook with your network? And then you can continue to use the product for free for a longer time. And we found that that worked pretty well because a lot of the people who were still, you know, they understood the value of Boomerang because they were using it, but they weren't quite sure they were ready to pay for it yet. We're willing to share in that context. And that worked pretty well. So how did you kind of test your assumptions on that to, to land there? Uh, to, for the paywall? Yeah. Yeah. Um, honestly, we just, we just, we just deployed it. Okay. We didn't really do a whole lot of uh, micro scale stuff. It was just when we when we turned it to a paid product, it was in there from the beginning and it worked. And your paywall so we never really changed it. Your paywall gets more aggressive over time, right? Right, exactly. So formally according to the pricing page, you're allowed to use it ten times a month for free. But in reality you can use it about seventeen times for free before anything before anything hard comes up. So at first it's very gentle. It just says, "Hey, you're you know under the on the basic plan, you're allowed to use the product for ten times per month for free. This is your eleventh message. Would you like to upgrade or just go ahead and schedule the message?" And so that way, they the prompt doesn't stop them from doing what they were doing before. Um, you know, they they can go ahead and schedule the message. So it's not exactly an interruption. And that way, by the time we do finally, you know, drop the hammer and say it's time to pay. They've kind of, they've been conditioned, you know, they've, they've already seen the nag screen seven or eight times. And so they feel like, okay, fair enough. They're finally really cutting me off. It's interesting. And the first time it's probably a scary, oh crap, I can't use this anymore. And then a delightful realization that they can a couple more times. Had you guys exactly. tried doing a, you know, shutting it off after the 10th originally? No, we we built it this way from the beginning and it's been really great. And so we've and, and it also is kind of the thing where it's like if you're really using it eleven times a month, fine. You know, that's okay. Um if you're using it, you know, fifty or sixty, then yeah, you should you should pay. So it feels like it's it's a little bit more of a balance. And we also we have some fun with it too. I mean the the final paywall ends with a limerick. Um <laughs> If you don't buy, we'll starve and then die. So no more messages for you. <laughs> <laughs> what um? What percentage of people would you say are sharing? Ah, uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Significant number though, for sure. And we did a couple of other things to make it viral too. So for example, you may not necessarily want to tell the person you're sending an email to that you're working at 3 a.m. and that you know you scheduled the message for later. But people are, interestingly, um, interestingly enough, they're pretty happy to share that on social media. Hmm. 
So we, uh, we created a, a suggested tweet where if you're on the free plan and you use Boomerang a couple of times after, I think, I think the threshold is 2 a.m., um, we pop up a little a little suggested tweet for you that says, "Hey, you know, I, <laughs> so that so that people don't realize I'm actually a vampire. I'm using boomerang." <laughs> and uh, and people people are more than willing to tweet that. I mean, I I think some of it's the the vampire <laughs> the vampire metaphor, but uh, but they're happy to share that on Twitter too. And so that's also worked pretty well for us. How did you guys decide on the price? I'd, I'd love to say that we were pretty scientific about it, but we weren't. Well, no, that's not true. We were kind of scientific about it. Um, it's been a while, so I'm a little a little rusty. Um, so we did two things. Uh, one is we got a piece of advice from one of our investors that we should charge three times what we think anyone would actually be willing to pay for it. And we kind of tucked that away in our brains when we were doing our early experiments. And what we did is we... we before we enforced any kind of pricing, we put a button on the web page that said, hey, buy, do you love Boomerang? Buy a subscription. And it was always completely voluntary at that point. You didn't have to do anything. Like, you know, there was no impact to your service, whether or not you, whether or not you bought a subscription or not. But so it was basically like a glorified donate button. And we put, we tested some different price points in there, and we found that $5 a month was the largest significant spike if that makes sense and you were well, making we more at five what people were willing to pay than at 10 so to speak right so we had a handful of people who had so we we asked them to prepay for a whole year when they did the subscription and we did have a few people who paid us 120 dollars for the year but we didn't have nearly as many as we had you know offering to pay five dollars per month for a whole year so we saw okay, that's that's a good price point because that's what that's the the maximum that's that a you know massive number of people are willing to pay, and then we kind of took took that information back about you know rule of thumb charge three times as much as you think and and put that for the the higher tier plan. Yeah, you mentioned one of your investors. When did you guys raise money? We raised back in the winter of 2010 and the spring of 2011. We raised an angel round. And you're profitable now? Right, we are. So talk about the how that deal looked and, and how you got the investors on board with a deal that potentially wasn't going to go on to raise subsequent rounds. So we, uh, oddly enough, we, so we started in Boston. And, uh, and we had no luck whatsoever with the Boston Angel Investor community. I think we went over high 30s. Wow. And it, it was it was tough. Boston's Boston's pretty conservative. Okay. And we were doing something kind of new, a Gmail plugin that wasn't really a thing yet. And we were all technical, which is also not really the Boston investor thesis. Did and, you have um, um, numbers at this time, or was it very early? We we already had users. Okay. We didn't yet have revenue, but we already had users. And um and so. Uh, so I was out here um, in between. I was in San Francisco in between two weddings, just about at the end of my rope. Had basically, you know, had had credit card debt and no savings left. It was it was getting kind of dark. Staying at this rat hole of an inn, <laughs> you know, just the cheapest place that you could get. Driving a rented Chevy Cobalt, and it was the worst. Like I had an investor cancel a meeting with me. The water was brown coming out of the tap. <laughs> 
<laughs> it, it, was, it was seriously like, you know, the, the, the scenes in the movie where things are bad. <laughs> and I had that vibe going. We pulled into the parking lot. There was a car on fire. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. And there was, you know, it was, I don't even know. <laughs> so my wife and one of my co-founders, we worked together, um, was with me in the hotel room. And all of a sudden I hear her yelling. She's like, get in the car, 101 North. <laughs> and I was just like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm still wearing the clothes I'd worn yesterday and had slept in because I was so, so, <laughs> so emotionally drained. <laughs> and so I got in the car and started driving and she called me and she said, okay, you're picking up Dave McClure. Wow. He just tweeted that he needs a ride to his auto mechanic. You're going to this <laughs> restaurant. Here's how you're going to get there. And so she coordinated the whole thing with, with Dave over Twitter while telling me how to get there. And I showed up at the restaurant, picked Dave up, drove him, you know, the, the 25 minutes to his auto mechanic. We waved off like five mechanics so we could keep talking. And he wrote us our first check. Wow. That's awesome. That is. That's you said this was going to be a boring story. <laughs> that's that's I, I fantastic <laughs> so um, did you pitch him right there and then as he's getting his car fixed on the spot and um we had some advantages so dave's crazy but he's not that crazy um he'd gotten you know we'd been trying to get in touch with dave for months so he had intro requests from us his assistant was using boomerang to help her manage his own email um, so he had some good signals that, that the numbers, I, you know, he, he, Dave's pretty focused on traction and, and, you know, are you using your traction well? And so he had some evidence that the numbers were real and, you know, knew that we knew that the numbers, you know, knew that I knew what I was talking about when we were discussing it. And, um, yeah, he, he was like, this sounds cool. I'm in. Wow. So did you do uh 500 startups or just take an investment? So we uh, we were the f part of the first batch of 500. Okay, nice. and it's changed a lot since then. They didn't. They it was kind of it was really. I don't know what the right word is to describe it. They had they hadn't figured everything out yet when we went through the batch. So it it was still kind of like experimental. So it was pretty cool. It was a, a great experience, and we we moved out here right after Dave wrote the check and raised the rest of our round and. You know, the rest was history, but it was really great to be part of the accelerator and meet the other companies and get kind of a network out here of support group and, you know, fellow founders and other people going through some of the same things. Very cool. So when you were raising, um, did you have to speak to your intentions of, you know, follow up round with the investors or um, was that just something that wasn't on the table? Um, well, I mean, it, it's not, we're not anti-funding. Okay. Um, and we weren't anti-funding then either. It's more that, but I mean, what we talked about with the investors was, you know, what did we want to do? And we wanted to make email work great, you know, and that's, that's a lot of opportunity there. So I'd say that the things that the, the investors who we got at least cared about were, were we working on something interesting? Could it potentially get big someday? And were we doing, were we executing well? So I think that's that's really where their interests lie uh, or lay, I guess. Nice, yeah. So, what factors into the decision of whether to continue raising or not? Um, I mean, we talked, we've talked to a variety of people on this and heard um, heard opinions on either side. And one of the opinions was when we 
spoke with Jason Cohen and his perception was if you're profitable, then you're not doing enough to grow that you should be reinvesting everything, trying new, new hypotheses and trying to find anything that you're leaving on the table. So what, what pushes you to make the decision to stop raising and to continue on the current path? Um, well, I mean, I would, I would make the argument that if you are um, continually losing money and you only have $400,000 of which to lose, you, you don't last that long. Yeah. Um, you know, so we are, I mean, we're not pocketing gobs of money either. We are in reinvesting most of it and growing the team. And um, I think the, the thing is, you know, fundraising is a distraction, it takes a lot of time. It's not guaranteed that it'll work, even if it should, right? You might have the perfect investor for your company and you, you're ready to go meet them. And that morning they, they make a soy latte for him instead of a, a regular one and he's pissed off all day, right? And he doesn't do the deal. So it's really kind of a thing of, of whether or not, you know, do you want to focus on something you can, to some extent, control, right? Like we have a, a, a lot more influence on whether or not we're going to be able to you know, make make some updates to the product that'll add more value to it than we do on whether or not we'll be able to, you know, make an investor believe in something. So I guess it's kind of the trade-off of, do you need the money? And if you don't necessarily have to have it, is it worth the, the investment of time and, and energy and focus of the team to go get it versus saying, okay, you know, if we really double down on this and work really hard in the next year, we can double revenue. Mm -hmm. And if you can double revenue, that's in some cases about the same amount of money in the end as, as an A round would be. Yeah. Very it's interesting. not a real, I wouldn't say that, that, that I've got all the answers or even a, a real decision path, but those are some of the variables that we thought about. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on, Alex, and, um, and sharing this with us. I really appreciate it. Um, tell us where can we find you and follow you uh, and Boomerang online? Uh, so Boomerang is boomeranggmail.com. And uh, I'm uh, alex at baden.com or awmore on Twitter. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you haven't yet, pop open iTunes and subscribe to be notified of future episodes. We have some really great ones lined up. And while you're there, leave us a review. We really appreciate each and every one of them. Fresh off the grill, nigga, keeping it hot. Now watch it spread all through the hood. I'm back controlling the block with one of rap's greatest ever. Production, y'all niggas know just what they do. Go ahead and follow instructions when the guards in the building. Uh-huh, I know you niggas know the feeling. All right, and if you're ready and you're willing. Okay, throw your hands to the ceiling. All right, go ahead and stack another million. Jumping around like you ain't really caring. Ladies ripping off everything they wearing. I'm on top of the throne, nigga. You know I ain't sharing. Man, you know. I want to hear you say it. Uh-huh, and everybody don't
showing up. Till we got the fire marshal showing up. On till the club start closing up. Okay, go ahead and shake it for him. And put your ass on him. Go ahead and spaz on him. Now put the mash on him. And why you make this party shit instead of two for the thug? Before a nigga try to front, make sure you're two in the club. That ain't the basis of this shit, though it's true when it's love. Now have you niggas whining like a fucking fool in the drug. Now if you with me, motherfucker. Uh-huh, we getting chiseled, motherfucker. Where the gall be making sizzle, motherfucker. Uh-huh, I'm on my grizzle, holla back. Well, okay, see how that gall bounce back. Why you niggas are sound sloppy, giving you niggas shit. Every now when you can't copy the way the gall be spilling all over the track. Get off my dick, tell your bitch, holla back. Everybody get! Violate when you're in the spot, a no-no. I'm not a nigga nigga shit. Shining on so so, shining so much. He's taking my photo low with the brim on my fitted while I try to be low pro. We getting more cheddar while you starting with no dough. Gotta skip the line, shit moving in slow mo. Shorty wildin' out, try to hit with a low blow with a crotch on my thigh, rubbing all on a chill chill. Shake your shit till you fall in the flow. Show me be fucking class bitches, I ain't messing with no hell. Bust two shot, let me hear it. Tell security get parrot when they callin' the popo. If you with me, say it. I'm